Today has felt somewhat strange, hasn't it? This unusual concurrence in our calendar of Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Two occasions that speak on matters that feel as similar to each other as oil and water. Today is about love. Oh, no, 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 no. Today is about death. Very strange indeed. I woke up this morning posting various sticky notes throughout the house for my wife, Abby, to stumble upon throughout the day. One that says, I love you on her computer screen. Another that says, be my Valentine when she opens the refrigerator. And one on her bathroom mirror that says, she's beautiful. I'm quite the romantic, I know. (laughs) A bit cheesy, too, yes. But then I headed off to work to prepare for a service where I will remind my parishioners of their impending death. Where I will smudge ashes on your forehead and speak these morbid words. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And so yes, today is a weird day. It's a day about love. It's a day about death. Now, I would venture to guess that most of us here would prefer to hear words of love rather than reminders of death. We would much prefer to be sitting down at a nice restaurant and enjoying a meal with our beloved rather than kneeling down here at the altar rail facing up to our own mortality. Of course we prefer love over death every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And yet, here we are, marking the start of this Lenten season, marking our foreheads with a symbol of death, remembering that we are dust, lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness. Why in the world are we choosing this day to give our attention to death instead of love? As a pastor, I have given more attention to the reality of death than I would have if I were not a pastor. It kind of comes with the territory. Not only are folks prone to share with me their own fears about the prospect of death, whether it's their own or that of a loved one, but I also get invited into those sacred spaces when death comes knocking at the door. Of course, there are other lines of work where people are exposed to death much more than I am. I think of law enforcement officers, EMTs, emergency room doctors and nurses, funeral home directors. I'm telling you, these folks, for these folks, every single day is an Ash Wednesday. But for most of us here, we give little thought to the reality of death, that it could happen to any one of us at any time. Most of us stride through life confident we'll survive well into our 70s and beyond. Of course, this is a myth. For things like cancer, strokes, and car wrecks cut people's life short more often than we like to admit. But nevertheless, the myth endures because we all know the statistics. We know that the average lifespan in America these days is somewhere close to 80 And so for most of us, we have plenty of time. No need to ponder our own mortality. Let's let's keep our thoughts happy and upbeat. 
But go back to biblical times and imagine just how much attention they must have given to the reality of death. Without modern medicine and medical care, death was a constant. It surrounded them all the time. If you were to examine Jewish grave inscriptions published 300 years before and after the time of Jesus, averaging all those ages together, the result would be a ripe old age of 28. A pathetic number that is frightfully brief by our standards. A number that was probably even lower than that as most infants and young children were buried without markers. And we know that those mortality rates ran much higher than they do today. Which means this, think about this. Half of all Jews during this time didn't make it past 20. And of those who did, perhaps half died before they were 30. Which means that young people did most of the dying back then. And no one would have reasonably thought that they could make it past 40. For us, death is the exception until we're decades old. But for them, it was ever-present. They were in the valley of the shadow of death from the moment they were born. And so it only makes sense that the ancient authors of the Bible felt very differently than we do about death. Which should make us pause when we come across verses like, Our days on the earth are like a shadow. Or, like smoke, we vanish away. What happens to you when you're forced to give attention to the reality of death like that? When it constantly surrounds you, taunting you, letting you know it's going to take you out sooner than later. The ever-present prospect of death, it forces you to give careful thought to your life. That's the gift of Ash Wednesday. I mean, yes, at one level, it would be much more exciting to celebrate Valentine's Day this evening. But then again, it would only be another occasion like every other day to be distracted from our own mortality. Which means it would be another missed opportunity to give attention to how you live your life. Today is about death, yes, which means that today is about giving attention to your life. Our gospel reading today is taken from the heart of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that is all about giving attention to your life. And when it comes to your life, Jesus is most interested in your life with God. In fact, a few verses after today's passage, Jesus gives this challenge to his disciples. He says, I love this, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, you know, matters of survival, things that will keep you alive. No, 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 no. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things that you worry about will be taken care of. In other words, pay closest attention to your life with God. Make sure you're living as a citizen of the kingdom before anything else. That's the invitation of Jesus. Indeed, that's the invitation of Lent. This is why we give attention to our death, so that we might give renewed attention to our life with God. In our passage today, Jesus speaks directly to this life with God. 
And he urges us to make it personal. Something that must have an interior dimension to it. Something that must be practiced not just outwardly with ritual, but in secret, in your closet when no one else is looking. Friends, Jesus is most interested in your secret life with God. I want you to notice that Jesus identifies three spiritual practices for this kind of life. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. In those days, these were known as the three pillars of Jewish piety. But also notice that Jesus doesn't command his followers to practice these three pillars. No, he just assumes that they're already doing these things. So it's not if you pray, but, but, but when you pray. It's not if you fast or, or give alms, but when you fast and give alms. What Jesus commands then is that we do these practices a certain way. That we do them, did you catch this, in secret. In other words, that the practice of our faith isn't for show. It isn't just reserved for public ceremony. No, our faith must be real and alive inside. A genuine life with God that is growing and active. Do these practices in secret, Jesus says. Make them real and your Father in heaven will reward you. Now, this notion of reward makes us a little nervous, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like we're trying to earn God's favor or something. Lord, look at these things that I did. Now, you owe me big time. But that's not the idea here at all. The idea here is of a reward that is inherent to the activity itself. It's, it's, it's kind of an outgrowth of the activity. And so, for example... There's the reward of enjoying a loving marriage that comes from the mutual and ongoing work of serving one another, right? Or perhaps the reward of being able to play beautiful music on the piano after years and years of practice. Or the reward of being able to converse with someone from another culture in their native tongue because you immersed yourself in that country and did the hard work of learning another language, right? There's a reward there. That's the idea in our passage. The reward that grows out of cultivating a life of secret prayer, a life of secret fasting and almsgiving. And the reward of this kind of work is nothing other than a rich and fruitful life with the God of the universe. It's becoming a person who looks more and more like Jesus. It's being able to live at all times in the light of God's presence, experiencing a deep sense of contentment and joy and peace. In other words, the reward is union with God himself. I hope you're tracking with me here. Let's back up and try to follow the logic of Ash Wednesday one more time. Today, we remember that we are dust. That is, we are giving attention to our death. Why? So that we might give renewed attention to our life with God, especially to our secret life with God, our personal life with God, so that we might enjoy the reward of a full life with God. Perhaps then we ought to remember more often that we are but dust, and to dust we shall return.
Perhaps we should take more seriously the invitation that began our service this evening, the invitation to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Perhaps the prospect of death should lead us to take on practices that will deepen us in the love and life of God. And so I close with that very question. How are you going to do that over these next 40 days? What is your plan for this season of Lent? In what ways are you going to pray in secret, fast in secret, give alms in secret? How will the prospect of death change change how you nurture your daily secret life with God. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you invite us to share in your life and your love. And we give you thanks that even in the face of death itself, that you pour out your spirit into our hearts as we meet you in a personal way, in a secret way as we cultivate and nurture our life with you. And so we pray for strength and diligence to take on new practices, to throw away things that distract us from your presence so that we might become more like your son and enjoy the love and life that you offer your world. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.